Well, hello everyone. Good evening. Okay, we're a few people here today. Fair enough. Hello, Blessing Moses. Hello, Love Kunima. Hello, Renita. Hello, TA. <laughs> hello, me. I'm the I'm the Gibra Media School person. That's me right there. <laughs> that was my that's me making sure that the audio is good. And um, just to confirm from everyone, the audio is good, right? Hello. How are y'all? How are your, how have your days been? There we go, that's what I was gonna say. Yay, doing good? That's good, that's good, that's good. We thank the Lord. Awesome, awesome, good reports everywhere. Amen, thank you, Jesus. Okay, we'll just kick things off uh, real simple. We don't have to make things formal. Hello, apologies, I am currently using a, let me fix something real quick. I'm currently using um, the same spot I use for uh, my media school, so, Things might look a little technical. I mean, what I mean by technical is like maybe messy, and <laughs> not as formal as I want things to be, simply because I haven't tidied up like the mess from Saturday. But um, we'll trust God. Um, hallelujah! He <laughs> He sustains us in the midst of so much. Oh, I don't think that's a good idea. I made like a lighting decision. I'm not too proud of. Let me turn another way. There we go. That's a lot better. Okay, that's a lot better. I think we're good now. All right. Y'all might not notice much of a difference, but I do, and it means so much. All right, doing good. Yay, that's great. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to continue from where we stopped um, last week. And before we start, we're going to say a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we say thank you. Thank you for the trajectory you have us on. Thank you for the journey um, we've been on with you. Thank you, Lord, for this incredible voyage of faith. Thank you because you are the one who calms the storms. You're the one, Lord Jesus, that walks on water. You are the one, Lord Jesus, that gets us to our destination. You're the one that keeps us afloat. And you're right here in the boat with us. Thank you for increasing our faith. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because we are refusing to doubt and instead to hold on, Lord God, to even the smallest mustard seed and magnify it, Lord Jesus. Grant us, Lord, this beautiful grace, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Okay. So real quick, we're going to do something um, a little bit fun. I want us to give me one second. Let me fix one more thing. I'm seeing something else in the corner. Yep, my suspicion was right. Right? Is that what I think it is? Yes, exactly what I thought it was. Okay, let me just remedy that real quick. Give me one second, y'all. There we go. All right, I think that's out of the way. I think we should be good. I think I'm right. Awesome. That's why the light got so bright. <laughs> And I'm not trying to rhyme tonight. Ha! All right. <laughs> okay. So um, last time we spoke about words and cycles and how words are expressed thoughts, which when expressed are actually, they have an intention in mind. So there is, when, I, when I communicate with you, I have a thought process on the inside of me. The purpose of communication is so I can pollinate you, your soul, with my thoughts. Does that make sense? I'm expressing my thoughts and 
it's a way of basically starting what is inside of me, work, what is working inside of me, inside of you. And so, for example, let's say I'm feeling sad. I will then communicate with you what makes me feel sad. The end goal is so that you can understand how I feel. What basically what that means is that what is making me feel sad will also make you feel in a specific way, probably sad. Okay. And the end goal is that you both of us can share that feeling. Does that make sense? And um, this is what is referred to as the fellowship in the book of first John chapter one. Can everyone hear me? Give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. I'm seeing my computer here is um, being a blessing. If you cannot hear me, give, give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. Okay, good. I'm still being heard. That's great. Awesome. Okay, cool. So let's look real quick at the scripture in first John doing good. Yes, thank you. Great. Awesome. Okay. Let's look real quick at first John chapter one. This is going to set us up for this premise. And again, we're still on that trajectory. Yep, I just logged out on this computer um, of um, trees, right? The, the Yahweh's face prophetic season. Um, the theme was a tree of life. Amen. We've still been on that. Hallelujah. And we're still on that still. What the Lord instruction the Lord gave us was that our conferences would set us um, up for seasons and would dictate how basically what all of the different ministry expressions in the cave should pour out into the people. And so we're looking now at first John chapter one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which our hands have handled concerning the word of life. So just stay here with me. Okay. Just take a look at this real quick. Okay. So almighty God, right. Um, from the very beginning, he released something, right. That was in his heart. Hallelujah. And when he released this thing, um, it was heard, it was seen, it was looked upon, and it was handled, not by his physical hands. When John said handled right here in this portion of scripture, let me see if I can go back there real quick. Yes, in this portion of scripture, when John said handled, he wasn't speaking about his physical hands holding anything, right? We know this, of course, right? He's speaking, I'm gonna use a phrase metaphorically. Oh, it looks like I'm back on the other computer, yay. <laughs> Hallelujah. So when he says our hands have handled, he's not speaking about our hands, our physical hands. Let me show you the hands he's talking about. Hallelujah. In Psalms 24, there's a beautiful portion of scripture in Psalms 24, right? Um, I think it's worth looking at. Let's take a look real quick. It says here, let's start from verse Psalms 24, from verse, from verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those that dwell therein. For he has founded upon the seas and established upon the floods. Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, right? Who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Hallelujah. The, the language there of clean hands and a pure heart, right? is a reference to what is your soul clinging onto your belief system is basically what we're talking about right when you're holding on to something with a firm grip it means your your belief system right so when you have clean hands amen that means it's pure thing it says in the book of philippians think on the things that are you know pure lovely a good report you know good da, 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 da. think upon these things basically amen those things of the Lord, Jesus Christ said, you are sanctified or made clean by the words that I have spoken to you, right? That was says that the word of God is, um, um, the fear of the Lord is clean and enduring forever. That's of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes, amen? Basically, God's word is what, is what cleanses your hands, right? So when we say he that has clean hands, right? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, it means that person's hands have what? Have been washed, right, by purifying agents. And that person's heart, right, has been cleansed by purifying ages as well, right, which is God's word. Who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully? Amen. So we can see there, you know, there's another verse I could look up. I think it's the book of James, James chapter four. We can look at that one too. James four. Then he says, um, is it James four? I believe it's James four. Hmm. Hmm. I haven't read James in a while. James is a very easy book to read in the Bible. Just pick a, pick a night before you go to bed. Just read the whole thing. Let's take a look real quick. Let's see here. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn, weep, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Hallelujah. The Bible is basically explaining to us what happens when this cleansing process takes place. The things that brought you happiness before, right? What would happen? The things that were, um, will make you laugh, you now weep when you think about them, right? And things that brought you joy, they bring you heaviness. Like when you think about the life that you had before, if you find yourself in that environment again, it brings you discomfort, right? That's because your hands have been cleansed, right? Hallelujah. Your heart has been purified. Hallelujah. And so um, moving right on back to that portion of scripture we were at before. I'm trying to remember where we were at before. Oh, dear. Lord, have mercy. Can you remind me where we were at before? I lost my train of thought. First um, John. Thank you. First John. Chapter one, okay? That which we have seen, so that which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, amen? So again, Almighty God, he had these thoughts in his heart, amen? And he released them to us, right? Now, when God speaks, I think I've explained this before several times, that God doesn't speak passively. Um, we, we make jokes on earth, amen? Um, we make a lot of jokes. We can say things we don't really mean, amen? Spirits don't make jokes. Hallelujah. They can say things that are very funny, but they have a lot of intention inside of them. Amen. And that's because spirits over time, you know, time works very differently in the realm or spiritual creatures. They experience time very differently. That's the best way to phrase it. So, for example, when Satan says something to you, it's, he's not just talking to you passively. There's a lot of investment in those words. And oftentimes, if you check the way spirits perform and, and function, even the, the term that was given to describe them, spirits, right? Spirits like, you know, when you think about spirit, think about alcohol, right? Substance that can influence you, right? Substance that can influence you. Uh, when you think about spirits, you think also about um, um, things that kill off germs, right? So these are things that are very potent and able to deter, you know, basically things that um, function contrary to them, they can blot them out and they can influence you in a specific direction, right? Um, they can distort your judgment, right? Hallelujah. That's why when people are drunk, a test to make sure that you're sober is can you walk in a straight line, right? And the person that's asking you to walk in a straight line, he himself is sober. So he's using his sobriety as a reference model against yours. And if you're not able to walk in a straight line, then basically the straight line that you think you're walking on is it's from somewhere else right hallelujah that's what spirits do right they they bring in a different standard they bring in a different way of, of seeing things of and what i'm saying here is that um basically that spirits can they know how to communicate they don't communicate passively they their goal is to bring forth what is on the inside of them and give it to you amen i've explained this before that in the core of every spirit is a testament right a testimony and that testament is what the spirit is trying to communicate. Everything that spirit is doing, everything that spirit is doing is being driven by the testimony. We can see this all throughout scripture. Um, the Bible says that the spirits of God works all things after the counsel of the will of God. Amen. The Bible says that the spirits of God, he groans, right? He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Every single thing the Holy Spirit is doing is being instructed by the will of God. That is the testimony that he is carrying. Amen. This is why in First um, John, when John was speaking about um, discerning the Antichrist spirit, discerning these um, contrary winds, hallelujah, he kept on saying something interesting. He said something that was really cool. He said, any spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh is not of God. But every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ um, has come in the flesh is of God. Amen. Now, the spirits that confess Jesus Christ have not come in the flesh. Amen. It's not like they're going around saying, Jesus Christ hasn't come in the flesh, yo. So when you ask the spirits, Jesus Christ come in the flesh? No. That's not how they're going to respond. Amen. They're, they're, the, 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 they, they respond, their responses, amen, are inspired by the testimony. And what John gave us there when he said, any spirit that confesses, that Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh, amen? What's he saying here is that these are spirits that fight the appearance of Christ. 
Does that make sense? They are not happy. They were defeated by Jesus Christ, obviously. Amen. We can tell this from, the, you know, all throughout the scriptures, right? Higher than all principalities and powers, rulers and darkness of this world, all the spiritual weakness in heavenly places. They are not very happy about the triumphant reign of Jesus Christ. They're not very happy that you got born again. They are not very happy Jesus Christ came in the flesh. And so their testimony is to perpetuate a life, amen, that functions as though he did not come in the flesh. Does that make sense? They want things to function as though Jesus Christ never came. There is a way life was before Jesus Christ came. They want life to continue like that. They don't want this your born again story. Any spirit that brings that thing is not of God. That is what John is saying. Does, does, this, does this make it easier to understand? Can I get a show of hands? Oh my goodness, my cell phone is blessed, amen. Can I get a quick show of hands if you know what I just said now? If you do not understand what I just said, can you raise your hand also, letting me know that I'm saying, I'm saying blah, blue. <laughs> Please don't look for me if I say blah, blah, I beg you. <laughs> okay, that's good, awesome. I'm gonna say it again, don't look for me if I say blah, blue, amen. So um, we as, as believers, um, the spirit of God that confesses Jesus Christ come in the flesh actually seeks to continue that process on the inside of us, amen? In fact, the language in the original King James that any spirit that confesses Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. In other words, there's this process of Christ coming in the flesh. And there are spirits that their testimony is that, that Christ is coming physically, amen? And we explained this, um, it was, last week we spoke about the body of, of, um, of peace, right? I believe we spoke about that here as well, right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That body of peace actually is what Jesus Christ made reference to in Hebrews chapter 10, when he said, sacrifices and offerings you would not, but a body you have prepared for me. Lo, I come in the volume of the book to do thy will, O God. I'm going to stop quoting scriptures real quick, and then we're going to keep on reading this portion that we have right here, right? When it says here, that which we have handled concerning the word of life. Our emphasis here is seeing the fact that, first of all, Almighty God doesn't speak passively. He speaks with all of intention, amen? And there is a testimony that he's speaking from, right? There's something that God has borne witness to, and that testament it basically provokes, amen, and inspires everything that God is doing, amen? So whenever God is speaking, there is an agenda. Does that make sense? There is this intention that he always has in his heart and in his mind, amen? Now, his objective, God's desire when communicating with us is to successfully, amen, transplant that agenda from his heart into our own. Hallelujah. And it's not limited to words that we hear. Like, I mean, like sound waves hitting our ears. Amen. There is this, some uh, mystics call it cardiognosis. There's this thing of heart-to-heart -heart interaction that God is really after, where our hearts pulsate the way his heart pulsates. Amen. Jesus Christ said it like this in the book of John chapter 15. Computer's going off again. He said, there's many things I have to, I want to say to you now, but you cannot bear them. Amen. Maybe we can look at that scripture real quick. John chapter, when he says, but when he, the spirit of truth is come, hallelujah, he will guide you into all truth. Amen. This is John chapter 16 from verse 12. My bad. John 16 from verse 12. Powerful portion of scripture. Powerful. Look what Jesus says. Huh, he didn't say that. That ain't what I'm looking for. John 16. He said that, but that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> I have many things to say unto you, okay? So basically, Jesus Christ has so many thoughts that he wanted to put inside of his disciples. He had so many things just burning in his heart. He wanted to commit to them. But look what he said. You cannot bear them now. Now, what he's saying here is that Actually, these things I want to give to you, the process of giving them to you, the way I've been speaking to you, the way I've been communicating to you before is not going to be effective in communicating these things. That's what I'm trying to get at here. Amen. The way to communicate these things effectively to you now has to be by another means. And he specifies what that means is. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. This is what God has borne witness to. Truth. And the way we come into what John had before, when he said that which we have seen, that which we have heard, that which looked upon, amen, is by means of interaction. Man, I thought I muted everything. I did not, amen. It's through the spirit of truth. Hallelujah. He will guide us into all truth, for he shall not speak from himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. 
and he will show you things to come. Can you see how the spirits of God speaks only what the testimony inside of him is bringing forth? Hallelujah. Everyone, everyone good with this? So far, so good. Amen. So that which we have seen, which we are, our hands have handled, hallelujah. He's saying here, for the, oh, the things handled, again, don't forget, handling speaks of our belief system, right? These things we believe in, so we, we heard, amen, we, we saw, hallelujah, we looked upon, and then we were incredibly convicted. We came into bearing, Jesus Christ spoke in John, John 16 from verse 12. We're able to bear these things. What are we bearing? Concerning the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and we bear witness. Now, what God has been bearing witness to, John successfully is bearing witness. Can everyone see that? That's why I spoke about testimonies before, right? Hallelujah. Let me open that portion of scripture that speaks about the Antichrist, right? Every spirit, amen, that's confess it not, that Jesus Christ, hallelujah, has come in the flesh is not of God. First John 4, amen? The same First John chapter 4. Let's jump in there real quick. Hallelujah. Believe not every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. What, do you, what, is, a, what is a prophet? A prophet is someone that has received a witness from a spirit, right? And he brings forth what the spirit is saying. Does that make sense? He carries out the agenda of that spirit. Like, okay? A prophet is not just someone that prophesies, amen? That's a gifting at work. A prophet is someone that speaks for a spirit because he has received the testimony of that spirit. So it's beyond just having a prophetic gifting. That's good. You start there, but then you need to get into the place of bearing witness, like John, like John got to, right? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So, so people receive the witness of false spirits. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. Such is the spirit of Antichrist. Wherever you've heard that it shall come, and even now already it is in the world. Hallelujah. So again, you're seeing that place of confessing. When the spirit is divulging what is on its inside, it brings forth witness, right? It brings forward as one witness to you, what it is in touch with, in tune with, amen? The spirit of God is in tune with the appearance of Jesus Christ, amen? But the spirit of the Antichrist wants to frustrate that in every single way possible. Hallelujah. Okay, let's keep this going. First John chapter one, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That which we have seen, sorry, Yes, for life was manifested, we have seen and bear witness, verse 2, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father was manifested unto us. So the life of God, amen, the life that God was living is actually the continuous musing of the Father. That's what John is saying here. The thought processes, amen, that you find God you know, basically, like you find trafficking through God's faculties, the way that God thinks, the things that God is always conceiving, his musing, his meditations, amen. If you somehow were to bear witness of the same thing, John is saying here that those people that bear witness, they are able to what? Live out eternal life, which was with the Father. Hallelujah. Now, we as believers, we have this life on the inside of us, amen. If you believe the gospel message, if you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and you have given your life to him, then guess what, beloved? Amen? His life is inside of you. Amen? But many of us, amen, are not able to bear witness to that life. In fact, many believers don't even know they have the life of God on the inside of them. Amen? In fact, many believers don't even, because the life of God means you're able to function the way God functions, right? When a, a um, what should we call it? It's a funny story. Not a funny story. Interesting story. It's a very common, it's a, it's, a, it's a dead horse kind of, to be honest with you. The story of the chicken and the eagle, right? The eagle was, you know, the egg, the eagle egg fell into the, the chicken's nest, right? And the little egg hatched. For some reason, mama eagle never came back to find baby eagle. And baby eagle grew up with chickens all his life. Until one day, he heard a screeching sound. 
and he looked up and he saw someone that looked like him flying in the air, right? And eventually what happened? Little Eagle began to realize that he could do the same thing. And he stopped hanging out with the chickens and he began to soar with the eagles. Yay, what a wonderful parable. Hallelujah. That is literally the story of the Christian walk. Amen. Many human beings, many, many human beings, many believers <laughs> have God's life on the inside of them, but they're living out the chicken life. Amen. So does clapping to you. <laughs> Who's that? TA, well done. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You know the reason why? Because what are they bearing witness to? They're bearing witness to the chicken life. Is everyone listening? Now, again, this is the process, amen, of receiving someone else's thoughts and being pollinated by those thoughts. Does that make sense? I'm, my language choice is obvious, right? Because of the theme, the tree of life, amen. We are choosing to transplant, right? The Bible says in the book of James chapter one, hallelujah, receive with meekness the engrafted, hallelujah, the engrafted word of God that is able to save your soul. This is verse 21. 21? Yes, I'm right. Yes, 21. Okay. Lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of wickedness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. The New King James says it like this the implanted, right? Yes. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Hallelujah. What does this mean? God's word is already growing inside of the father, right? Well, let me say like this. God's life is already blossoming inside of the father, right? Amen. If you implant, right? And graft, amen. The branch, amen, of God's life. Amen. You're going to find yourself living out God's life as well. That's what he's just saying here. Basically, God's word is able to allow you to live out God's life the way he lives it out. Hallelujah. For this reason, amen, and the reasons we captured last week of, of seeds and, and processes and workings, amen, for this reason, the Bible refers to God's word as a seed. Does all this make sense? Amen. Whenever God is able to express his thoughts, amen, what he is bringing forth, amen, are portions of his life. Because remember, we just showed you now from 1 John chapter 1. That if you're able to bear witness, amen, to the word of life, eternal life is what you find yourself experiencing and living out. Isn't that really, that is fascinating. You can change the way you live by the words that you handle. You can see why Jesus Christ was gripped when he said, I have so many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them. You can't handle these things. Why? His desire was not for them to just hear fancy words and good stories about agriculture, amen? Jesus's desire was that his disciples would do what? They would handle, amen? They would lay hold on eternal life. Isn't that what, what Paul told Timothy, amen? When he told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith, amen? Lay hold on eternal life to this you were called, amen? Paul himself successfully completed this assignment. In fact, all the apostles in the epistle, they finished the assignment. Um, I, know, I know like we talk about the life of God like it's something that's so out of reach. The truth is that the apostles, they finished the assignment. They finished the training. They mastered God's life. If you read their testimonies very carefully in the scriptures, you can tell. There were different points where they said they hadn't yet attained. But if you check the later epistles, chronologically, the ones that scholars have determined were written at later points in their life. Someone like Apostle Paul, the last epistle that he wrote, we suspect is Hebrews, but we can also say is Second Timothy. Amen? One of those two. Um, Whichever one of you doesn't matter to me because either one works just fine. It still fits in with my theories that I or belief systems that I have, to be honest with you. But basically, in 2 Timothy, Paul told Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept, kept the faith. What does that mean? I have laid hold. Let, let me, let's look at some scriptures real quick, amen, that I think would. The language we're looking at here is taken in seed. This is heavily emphasized throughout the conference, Amen. A, a woman, a man receiving seed from her husband and her desire is to bring forth children, right? The same thing we are with Jesus, right? We want to receive seed from the Lord and bring forth after his kind. And our desire is that our character is morphed by his words. That makes me so happy, amen? Imagine, just imagine this. 
Oh, Jesus. When I, when, I, when, when I hear some of these words sometimes, like what comes to mind is this heart, man. Lord Jesus, break this thing to pieces. Amen. The Bible says that it's not my word like a hammer that breaks in pieces. Hallelujah. Okay, I was going to pull out some scriptures. Oh, come on, y'all. Someone help me. I was going to quote something. What was it now I was going to quote? I was going to pull out some scriptures about, oh, it just came to my head again. We're looking at the testimonies of the apostles, right? Second Timothy chapter four, Paul said, uh, verse seven, let's take a look at this, amen. This is one of Paul's last letters, either his last or second to last letter. He said this, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there's little for me a crown of righteousness. Now the crown of righteousness is the resurrected body, amen. Which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me on that day. What day is that? Rapture, right? The day of their resurrection, the first resurrection. And not to me only, so he's not the only one who's going to get resurrected, but to all those who also love his appearing. Can you see how that's, that's rapture? Amen. Hallelujah. His appearance. Amen. When Jesus Christ appears in the sky, the Bible says that what? Then shall incorruption, then shall corruption be swallowed by incorruption. Then shall mortality be swallowed by immortality. Amen. And then shall go that saying, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, oh, grave, where is your victory? Amen. And that's in the twinkle of an eye, we shall all be changed. Amen. And we shall be caught up with the Lord in the air. Amen. And that being caught up with the Lord in the air, not the air as in the, the oxygen. Amen. The air is the control center of, of this physical realm. Amen. The air is like, uh, think about Asso Rock or White House. But I was basically saying here, and we shall be caught up together with him in Asso Rock. Or we shall be caught up together with him in where in the white house amen bible is saying there that we are going to be in charge of the governmental proceedings happening in physical reality nothing is going to be able to go through physical space without our express permission to be honest with you that is the truth right now but we're not conscious of that reality at the rapture our consciousness will be very in tune with this reality and we will consciously be given room giving room to things appearing or manifesting on the earth. Anything that manifests on the earth that is not captured in the Lamb's Book of Life, we would personally destroy. Amen. It would be cast into the lake of fire. Amen. And by destroy, we mean that it is going to experience a very severe, um, tumultuous process of undergoing the ages of God's glory. Hallelujah. Amen. So this is Paul's testimony. Amen. You can see what he, he asked Timothy to do the same thing in first Timothy chapter six, he tells Timothy when he challenges him, he charges him in first Timothy chapter six from verse 11, he tells him flee evil things, young man. All right, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou also art called and has professed a good profession before many witness and has professed a good profession before many, I feel like I read that twice, many witnesses. Notice how witnesses is an emphasis that Paul has here. Hallelujah. Thank you. Let's look, let's look at this in a different translation. You have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Hope everyone can see that. What I'm trying to get us to see here is this thing about witnesses, bearing witness, amen. And the scriptures I'm talking about you just saying that, oh yes, I'm, a, I'm born again Christian now, amen. There is an awareness, amen. When you bore witness to something, you can bring forth witness, right? The scriptures, the language in the scripture is almost like legal proceedings. You've ever gotten a police report before, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? A witness is someone that can give like detailed accounts of things that happened, the time of the day, temperature, right? Where exactly the thing happened, what, was, what exactly happened on, at the scene of the crime, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Amen. I know this because I've been to the police station to give police reports like two times now. Amen. Only two times in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> so you have to be able to bring forth witness, right? Substantial. Someone's witness counts as evidence of something. Amen. Hallelujah. The language in scripture um, concerning bringing forth witness is not just that you, you, you tell a story about something. It is that you are a witness because of a changed life. Right? The witness, the power of bearing witness is that is what, what John said in 1 John. When he said we bear witness, let's take a look at that scripture again, okay? Okay. The life was manifested. 
And we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which is with the Father, was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you that you also may have what? Fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father, with the Son, Jesus Christ. Can everyone see this? So there, there's this beautiful place, hallelujah, of, of fellowship, amen? The, the language you know, used here can easily be translated to like a garden, amen? A garden, <laughs> amen? I think something like tripped over, amen? Almighty God, I wonder what that was. Almighty God releases, releases his life, amen? Through words, amen? And when his life is being released, what happens, amen? Those people that heard, amen? What he said, looked upon, amen, saw, sorry, looked upon and believed, handled, right? Hallelujah. Whose hands were cleansed. The fruit of that is that they are also able to live the life that God lives. Hallelujah. Effectively, God is pollinating himself whenever he speaks. Hallelujah. Whenever God is speaking to you, beloved, amen, seeds are being sown. Hallelujah. And these seeds being sown are not just being sown. Let me show some let me show some scripture so that we could just say we have a different belief system. Amen. Um, well, that verse um, Proverbs 23. Verse seven. Gonna read that scripture alone by itself. Usually I have like the rest of the scriptures in context, but Proverbs doesn't really give room for that sometimes. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. I'm gonna read this again. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. I'm gonna say it again. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. So basically, when God successfully gives to you his belief system and you accept it, amen, God has successfully duplicated himself. Notice that you're living out his life. God can now be found where? In you. Hallelujah. These statements are very, very easy to, you know, to just declare, right? We could just say them passively. But very few of us can bring forth witness. Who understands what I'm saying here? Bringing forth witness as a consequence of interaction, as a consequence of being pollinated by the words of God. Let me show us a principle in scripture. I'll probably use to tidy things up. Amen. It's in the book of Romans chapter 10. Hallelujah. Let's start from Romans chapter 10. Should we start from verse 10? Not going too far. Let's start from verse eight. Ooh, verse seven. So let's let's um do a little. Okay, so Paul begins to speak about the righteousness of the law, and he hammers the righteousness of faith. Says so the righteousness of faith speaks in this manner: Do not say in your heart, "Who shall ascend to heaven?" That is to bring Christ down from above. Who shall descend into the deep? That's to bring up Christ from the dead. So basically what he's saying here is. The righteousness of faith. Amen. Makes the need for Jesus's physical appearance a redundancy. Well, let me phrase it like this. The righteousness of faith brings forth Jesus. Does that make sense? Or let me phrase it like this. Let's say someone needs money. No, that's not a good one because no one ever gets tired of more money, right? <laughs> and no one gets tired of more Jesus either. So that, that, that works out pretty well anyways. But let's say you're hungry and you need pizza, okay? The Bible is saying here, do not say in your heart, who's going to order pizza? Do not say in your heart, who's going to bring pizza from um, Domino's, right? And it then tells you that so, so, and so, and so, and so, and so, and so. Basically, what the Bible is saying there is you don't need to get pizza because I have a way to get, you don't need to get pizza like that. This is how you get pizza. Does that make sense? I, oh my God, I, I explain this horribly. <laughs> I wish I could find a better way to explain this. 
When the Bible says, do not say in your heart, amen, do not say in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. The Bible is saying here, when you understand the righteousness of faith, or when the righteousness of faith is at work on the inside of you, the person you're going up, up into heaven to go and get is already here. So you're going up to go get him is redundant. Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. So again, amen, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, amen, its potency is being felt actively. Who understands what I'm saying? So there's no need for another resurrection, so to speak. Why? You're already manifesting the resurrection of Jesus Christ right now. So you don't need to bring Christ up from the dead again. There's no need for another display of resurrection life. Because why? That resurrection life is already in display. Does that make sense? It's like someone needs to be resurrected. That's a beautiful way of explaining this, okay? The person needs to be resurrected, right? And then someone is saying, there is no need to get resurrection power. And you're saying, what do you mean? The guy's dead. There is no need to go and find any doctor that can help him out. But we need to resuscitate him. And he now tells you what? The word is in your mouth, right? In your heart and in your mouth, the word of faith which you preach. What he's saying, therefore, is that that process you just described by the word being in your mouth is the key to getting that resurrection power, to raise that person up from the dead. Does all that make sense? I'm so sorry that these analogies are so beautifully and expertly crafted. Francis is such a philosopher. <laughs> Hallelujah. Please have mercy on me. <laughs> Amen. But what saith it? Hallelujah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the laugh, laugh emoji. <laughs> what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. What is the Bible saying? If you can successfully get God's word into your heart, ooh, the righteousness of faith is here. Is anyone listening? I like something that Apostle Suleiman said. When the Bible said that the same power that raises Christ from the dead is risen from the inside of you. Remember that Romans chapter 8 verse when it says, if the spirit of Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will give life to your mortal bodies. Or Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible said that he, um, God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Let, let's look at that scripture real quick. Ephesians chapter 1, from verse, um, let's look at 19, okay? The exceeding greatness of his power. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? So the Bible says what? God's power is exceedingly great. God's got this incredible power. But let's keep on reading, okay? The exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the message to come. So the Bible is saying here, the power that is at work in us who believe, amen, and the power that raises Christ from the dead, amen, it is working according to this power. In other words, he's saying here, the measure of the exceeding greatness is according to this level. So that power that raises Christ up from the dead, amen, let's say it's 100 volts. The Bible is saying here, this power does that work on the inside of you is according to that same level as well. That is the capstone of the power that work on the inside of you. So basically, the Bible is saying here, the same power that raises Christ from the dead is at work inside of me. Apostle Suleiman said it like this. Let's say Jesus Christ is in the tomb. He's in the grave. Hallelujah. He's been made sin. Who knew no sin? Hallelujah. He is basically dismembered, disintegrated in the blackness of, of nothingness. He's gone. Hallelujah. Amen. In the land of forgetfulness. That's where Jesus Christ is at. Amen. Now, the same power that raised him up from the dead, amen, is at work on the inside of you. So technically, hallelujah, if you were present, amen, when Jesus Christ was in the grave, hallelujah, when Jesus Christ was in hell, if you were present and you released that power that is at work in you who believes, you would have raised Jesus Christ up from the dead. Is everyone listening? That is what the scripture is saying. And the power that is at work on the inside of you is according to the power that raised him from the Dead. In other words, you can do the same thing that power did if you know how to release this power. Is everyone listening? Hallelujah. This is where this is where these things, we can see the reason why we need witnessing, right? Because we hear these things 
and then we have a headache. I mean, like you have a headache in your head and your head is on your leg. I can raise Jesus Christ up from it. Where's what's Tylenol? <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, what I mean by that is that, you know, you're hearing all these incredible things and yet you can be going through the to-dos of life, the, the, the nuances of life, the, the ups and downs of life, if that makes sense. The, the sway of this, ran, of this, the randomness of this world, amen? Resurrection power is inside of us, exactly. That's right, that's right, amen? You can hear all these words and you still need to enter a downfall bus, amen? To get to work every morning, amen? Doesn't sound very powerful, does it, amen? Well, let's take a look at this, okay? This is the same, amen, righteousness of faith, amen, that Paul is described earlier on, amen, as I work here, okay? Who shall bring Christ up from the dead? You don't need to do that. Why? Because of the righteousness of faith. But what saith it? The word is not you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you shall believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Excuse me, you shall be saved. Now, please hear me out here, amen? This is the problem with everything we just said now, amen? Because when we hear these things, we think, unfortunately, because we, we're not as in tune with some of these processes as ancient Jewish people were, amen? There was actually an understanding, amen, when it came to putting words in the heart, amen? It was understood that putting words in the heart is not just memorizing scriptures, amen? It wasn't just being able to recite scriptures over and over and over again, amen? Putting words in the heart, amen, had an intended goal on the other side, amen? When the high priest, amen, right before he went before the holies of holies, I mean, cleansed before several times, amen? The high priest wore these garments, amen, that enabled him to accomplish unusual feats, amen? One of these feats, amen, was that you'll be able to enter into the most holy place successfully, amen. Without that garment on, if he finds himself in that space, he will die because of the sin in his body, amen. But what that outfit does, amen, is that it energizes him so that the bond of sin that he is carrying, remember Romans chapter 7, when Paul said, who delivered me from this body of death, amen. That body of sin can have life ministered to it. Remember Romans chapter 8? If the same spirit that dwells in you, the, the righteous Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies, amen? In the Old Testament, the high priest had to directly transmit all of those things to his body to be able to function in the most holy place. Things that we as believers enjoy organically. You don't need to wear any funny hats. You don't need to wear a breastplate, amen? Why? Because your body is what? The temple of the Holy Spirit, hallelujah. But in the Old Testament, the high priest had to charge up his physical body, amen? through rituals amen and these rituals had a specific objective in mind amen if you approach that veil of those holy place amen and your intention is to go through and successfully go in there and approach the kind of glory and come out alive you must have a measure of righteousness successfully installed inside of you hallelujah to do this successfully the high priest must pat himself up Kind of like the same way that Jacob patted himself up to look like Esau, amen? The high priest's desire was to look like Moses, to have the righteousness of the law, amen? Now, his goal, first of all, is entering inside, <laughs> and second of all, coming out, hallelujah. Now, I say entering inside is a goal, because the truth is that there was no door to enter into the most holy place. If you ever studied the Ark of the Covenant before, ever studied the Tabernacle before, you will know that the only way he could go in, amen, was that he had to supernaturally face through the veil and walk into the presence of God. Hallelujah. In other words, that garment the high priest wore, amen, was so charged with the presence of God that when he approached the veil, if he went through all the rituals as he should have, he should have been successfully able to walk through the veil. Is everyone listening? Hallelujah. Now, to activate all of those things, there are specific rituals the high priest has to go through. One of them is successfully installing God's word in his heart. He has to keep some tenets of the Torah, some of the pillar um, commands of the Torah. One of them is these words should be in your heart. Love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So for days, the high priest would be going over these scriptures over and 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 over again. You know why? So that when he comes into the tabernacle, the only thing that he has flooding his mind, 
the only thing that he has, you know, taking over his thoughts, meditations of his heart. Now, if he's successful in this process, what he keeps on doing, he keeps on chanting the same scriptures over and over and over again. While he goes to the ritual, he's declaring God's right? He gets the different things, right? He kills the animals, he does it, all these other things, he gets the censer, gets the incense, right? He keeps on going through all of these, you know, rituals, all with the intention of phasing through. Amen. You know the reason why? Is this is everyone listening? He wanted that righteousness of Moses to manifest physically. Now, when it manifested physically on his body. Through the instrumentality of man, what is that? I see. I want to see the shining light. Well, I receive amen. Um, on his body and the ritual that he goes through, the padded, you know, outfit that he wears, he is able to successfully, successfully face through. Amen. You're only allowed to enter inside if you are righteous. That is the righteousness of the law. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. It is primarily the belief system. Does that make sense? In other words, in the New Testament, we don't have to go and kill any animal. Amen. Our animal has been killed, right? Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. His blood has been shed, right? And he's available for us right now to live. Out of us domiciled by virtue of his spirit indwelling on the inside of us. But here is the thing, beloved. Amen. This Can everyone hear me? Hearest thou me? Does anyone hear me? If you can hear me, please let me know. Oh, you can. That's good. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yay. Yay. Everyone saying yes. That, that, means, that means yes. Yes means yes. Okay. Does all this make sense? So what I'm trying to say here is this, amen? Putting words in your heart being pollinated receiving seed bringing forth after god's kind is a process that doesn't happen passively is everyone listening someone would say what do you mean doesn't happen happen passively amen i've been i've been pollinated by by satan's life all my life why can't i get pollinated by god's life just like that as well you're actually on point and you're actually in the right direction by thinking that, amen? That you just started living the human life that everyone else is living. And why is it that God's life is so hard? Hallelujah. The reason why it seems like Satan's life is easy and God's life is hard at times, if you're a believer, God's life is very, it's instinctive to you, right? Measures of it should be instinctive to you. But then there's some parts that are kind of hard, amen? The reason why some of those parts feel kind of hard, amen, is because subconsciously we are being bombarded, beloved, consistently, by seeds of this world. The Bible refers to them as tares, right? While men slept, what? Tares were sown in the same garden. What I'm trying to say here or capture here is this, amen? There is a heart posture, amen, that we have given to this world, whether subconsciously or not, or not subconsciously, that we have to present to God as well, amen? There is a process that we have gone through for this world that we have to now choose to go through for God. The end goal of these processes, the end goal of, these, of this heart posture, hallelujah, is that the same thing that happened to us that made us find living this human life, amen, as simple and as, you know, as almost automatic as it's always been, we have to give God that same honor of allowing him to pollinate our hearts with his life. It started from when you were born into this world. You were bombarded by, 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 by voices, sounds, and all kinds of you know, different conditions, you know, humidity, temperature, da, 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 da. But at the same time, 
there was just this bombardment of the spirits of this age upon your soul as a child. That bombardment was subconscious. Unless your parents resisted it by playing like worship music or Christian music, some seeds were sown into your heart. There's no need to engaging and saying, God, there must have been so many seeds in my life. Though. The way you actually experience God's life is not by focusing on seeds sown in your life when you were in the world, but actually on focusing on what God is doing now. Remember what John said? That's which we have heard, right? Which we have seen, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. So the things we are hearing, seeing, and looking upon is not what Satan has done, but what God is doing. So someone would say, ah, but why are you talking to us about what happened when we were born now? I thought you said we should look at what God is doing. I'm telling you about what happened to you when you were born so that you can understand the severity of the hearing that you need to use, you need to give to God. The severity of the seeing you need to bring to God's word. The severity of the looking upon <coughs> that we need to bring forth for God's word. The severity of the laying hold that we need to um, give to God's word as well. Does that make sense? <coughs> Basically, I'm trying to show us how, how we studied Satan's life, how we embrace Satan's life. The Bible says, seek the Proverbs chapter. Um, no, no, uh -huh. Proverbs chapter two. I'm like, what on earth? Don't do that to me. <laughs> Describe here. When you read the way we're meant to engage God's word, sometimes in the scripture, it's happening again. <clears throat> you might think in your mind, yes, ah, God, it's too much work. Hey, not realizing that that's actually what you gave to this world when you were first born. And we're going to have to end with this, amen, because of time. My son, if you receive my words and had my commandments within me, so that now, I'm just going to keep on going, okay? If you seek, you receive my words and hide my commandments within me, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Now, that hiding God's words within you, amen, means that you value God's words. You treasure God's words. You're not, you're not throwing them away. God speaks to you. You actually take them and put them inside of you. You continue to peruse, to muse, to ruminate, right? To, to meditate on what God has said. You're hiding God's word within you. Now, there is a way you take God's word and put it on the inside of you that it leads to something called inclining your ear or hearing. He says, if you receive my words and hide my commandments within you so that you incline your ear onto wisdom. Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 10. Faith comes by hearing, but hearing comes from God's word. So basically, you take God's word and you continue to engage God's word until something happens. You begin to hear what God is saying. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, when you're able to hear what God said, that means you're able to receive God's word into your heart. Amen. When you successfully do that, faith is being installed. That is when the righteousness of faith can be seen. Hallelujah. Let's keep this going, okay? Apply your heart to understanding, okay? So you incline your ear to wisdom, apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, and look at this verse 4 as well. I'm trying to get that here, okay? If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure. Why is the Bible telling us to seek wisdom like money or like fame or like fortune? You know the reason why? Amen. The attention we should be given to God's word, the attention we should be given to the things of God, we give them to, we give them to this world. Is anyone listening? The attention that the Holy Spirit should have in our lives has been given to this world. So God is saying, okay, the way you're doing this, can you do that for me? Does that make sense? The way you've embraced this world, there's a way when you hear $1 billion, right? And it's pointing in a specific direction. There's a way your heart responds. God wants your heart to respond that way when you hear the scriptures, when you feel his presence, when you hear his voice. Amen. And he wants you to follow through the way I can be really tired. Right. And I don't want to go anywhere. But someone says, hey, Francis, I'll give you 12 million naira right now. Right. If you drive me to Prince Ebano, how 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 not exhausted am I not? Go Who gets what I'm saying? All the exhaustion is going to vaporize off my body instantaneously. You know why? Someone said what? 12 million naira, right? Let's say it's 50. Let's say 60. Let's say 60 million dollars. I'm trying to help some people here. 
See, that's what Danny told me now. What's that rubbish? I will sleep, Joe. Right, Francis? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen, right? Amen. One of those, he had 12 million and then we just, I bet he's on, tired. Uh, hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. All of this springs from what? Amen. Valuing God's words. Amen. Seeking God's word as silver and searching for God's word as for hidden treasure. Then we will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You know what the knowledge of God is? Let's take one look at one last scripture. And I'm going to end with this. Amen. John 17, verse 3. The Bible says, and this is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So what is the knowledge of God? Eternal life. Hallelujah. So again, that's which we have heard, seen, looked upon, and believed in. Hallelujah. The life is now manifested, and we are able to bear the same witness that the Spirit of God is able to bear witness to. Hallelujah. Amen. Hope everyone has been blessed today. Hallelujah. This is word for now. Hallelujah. I'm going to clear that off the screen. Amen. This is word for now. Hallelujah. And um, basically, we've been following up on our recently concluded Yahweh to Face prophetic conference. That season we were in not too long ago. Amen. The theme was a tree of life. Hallelujah. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Um, thank you so much for joining us, beloved. Pastor Francis Seaver sends love and his greetings. And um, tomorrow we will be having um, open book. Who's excited? Who's excited? Oh, bless your heart. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> Who's excited for open book tomorrow? Amen. Tuesday at 8. Open book is not happening tomorrow. I am so sorry. False alarm, y'all. False alarm. Tomorrow we are having Kingdom Praying Women. I am so sorry. Man, I almost lost it. <laughs> open book is not happening tomorrow. We're having Kingdom Praying Women. And it's starting from 4 p.m. Let me see if I can get the, the flyer on the screen real quick. Amen. So real quick, um, if you can, I want to encourage you. Um, it's actually called Kingdom Praying People, not Kingdom Praying Women. But most people that come are usually women. Amen. If you are, um, not if you are, you must come. I command all of you. Amen. <laughs> So you're old enough to be my parents, so let me be very, be very careful with my jokes here. But in all seriousness, um, tomorrow is Kingdom Praying Women, Kingdom Praying People, sorry. Hallelujah. And um, let me see if I can get the flyer on the screen real quick. Come on, come on, come on. What you doing? Airdrop. Let's go, let's go. Come on. There we go. All right. And we getting this flyer on the screen in three, two, one. There it is. All right. So we're having Kingdom Prayers tomorrow. So that's at 4 p.m. Technically, we're starting prayers from two but to not frighten people we're going to put 3 30 p.m right so we're we're starting off with the afternoon watch i'm going to pray into 4 p.m and from 4 p.m we officially kick off kingdom praying people um if you've been noticing there's been this these flares like these flickers i think the revival that's blazing everywhere um that's blazing in asbury is blazing everywhere as well i want to encourage you um don't hide. <laughs> Don't hide from what the Lord is doing right now. Amen. Plug in and make sure that when the rain of God's presence is falling, you do not have an umbrella. Amen. Or raincoats, right? You want to expose yourself to as much of it as you can. So please come hungry. Uh, we're going to pray for Nigeria. Our country is in desperate need of prayer, right? We want to make sure we seal up this country, that our, our country will be a sheep nation. And sheep nations, they hear God's voice and they are obedient. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything else more than that. Thank you so much for joining us, beloved. This has been a wonderful time in God's presence. Uh, I want to appreciate you all for coming tonight. Um, Jesus dreams loves you. Have a great night.